Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you again for all that you are. We thank you for the opportunity that you've afforded to us to meet together in this space, to have time of fellowship. And Lord, we pray encouragement. Uh, Lord, the book of Judges is a tragedy. But Lord, we see so much of those things being repeated in our day and age just through different means. Lord, forgive the church. If we've forgotten the character of who you are, Lord, reveal it to us, please. Allow our hearts to be broken, uh, contrite and humble, and fall before you. Lord, we pay, pray for our country. We pray for our leaders, both at the provincial level, at the municipal level, at the, the national level. Lord, I just may we no longer just give way to debauchery. May we be bold enough to stand and be strong for the things that are true. Forgive us for the murdering of the innocent and the unborn. Lord, by not raising our voice against it, forgive us for what we stand for in, in the terms of identity. God, allow us to just be broken and contrite before you. Save us, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Well, that's the message today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, no, it will be short, though, I promise you that. Um, it didn't have much workings, and I threw this audible at Brian this morning saying this was the, these were the changes that we were going to make, so forgive us for that. He's done a wonderful job uh, 15 minutes before I told him the, some of the changes that needed to be made. So uh, praise God for his flexibleness. Um, we're in the book of Genesis today, if you want to know. It's going to be overarching. There's not going to be any sort of particular pull, but that's where we're in as far as our understanding of uh, what we're studying today. I got the title of the message today, Life as Usual. Now, life as usual, many will come to realize, was never life as usual. You see, when Christ returns, many will discover, and unfortunately too late, that they've lived within a dream. Years come, and years are going to go. Spring turns to fall, fall to winter, and the cycle repeats. They grow and grow until they're old to one day never be awoke. See, normal life has lied to the masses. This is true back in Genesis as it is today. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39, As were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whoa. The world-ending return of Jesus will be as the world-ending days of Noah. What did Noah's day consist of? Busy people that were completely unaware. They spent their time eating and drinking, 
marrying and giving in marriage, going about life as usual. The very morning of the flood, people simply concerned themselves with whatever laid before them. The immediate seemed, in that time, the most urgent, the most real. They went about planning meals, changing diapers, preparing weddings, going to work, buying and selling. These seemed to them the greatest principles of life until the rain began to fall. Like many today, the people of Noah's day abstracted their meaning of life from the texture of their average day. They touched Wednesday, and it felt like every other Wednesday. They began work and finished work. They ate and ate again and, and finished their work to eat some more. They played with kids on the floor, busied with homework and house projects, they talked and listened, laughed and yawned, rose from sleep, and went back to sleep. Nothing extraordinary. Each day didn't feel like it held an eternal significance. Nothing otherworldly felt at stake. Today just feels like any other day. God's, or God and demons' souls, eternality. They didn't grow before their eyes like grass that needed mowing. They, they did not stir to consider the unseen. And when they did, the unreality of it seemed as implausible as raining, rain draw, drowning a dry land days away from the sea. See, the intuition, they intuited, sorry, what it was ultimate about life from the ordinary experiences of it. And we see that to be a fatal mistake. And as the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. While they considered their daily planners, anxious about what they considered the real contents of Mondays and Tuesdays and Saturdays were, Noah worked. He worked with his sons on the unlikely and the unthinkable. While the world ate and drank, he labored. While they went on with the things as usual, he and his sons prepared a stadium-sized boat to shelter the family. You see, Hebrew says of Noah in Hebrews 11:7, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an art for, or, or ark for the saving of his household. Imagine this scene. Decade after decade, children were born. Diapers were changed. Houses were built. Adults looked out their windows and they saw what they had always seen since their childhood. Noah and his sons laboring on a ship miles from the sea. And Noah spoke a message as strange as the boat he was building. He warned of a divine judgment. Perhaps some listened for the first week. But eventually the listeners needed to get back to real life, right? Noah's real life was different. Even though he too ate and drank, and he arranged marriages for his three sons, he did these with an ear bent 
to hear God's voice. A hammer in his hand for God's work. And eyes returning to the skies waiting for God's voice. His feasting was not forgetful. His drinking was not distracting. His giving in marriage did not deter his mission. Unlike the citizens of his world, he lived ready. He lived prepared. He believed God that the waters would come. As decades multiplied, Noah kept working, kept proclaiming, kept resisting the temptation to stop and return to life as usual. As it will be with Jesus' second coming, an unexpected day arrived. See, that day began like any other day. Wrinkled faces and weathered eyes gazed out worn windows to still find that old, odd man, now herding skunk and geese and unexpected other animals into his large boat. They could still hear his spent voice saying, turn from your sins. Repent and cry to God. He is willing to spare you from this impending judgment. This ship stretches long enough for all who would come. Perhaps they felt sorry for the old man. Windows closed and the day's cares consumed their thoughts. See, this day was going to be like every other day. But that day, Noah and his family entered the ark, not to be seen by their eyes again. In Genesis 7, 16, we read so very clearly that the Lord shut him in. Then the windows of heaven opened. You may be sitting here saying, so I'm like, what's the point? The point is that normal days, then and now, may not be what we think they are. Normal days, unconcerned with eternity, unconcerned with God, sin, and with the second coming of Christ, are fatal and fictitious. What most experience as normal Wednesdays, normal dinner times, normal weekends, arrive as waves carrying judgment and eternity even closer. The important thing about these last days is that they precede the return of the king. But experience will, should we let it, cause us to eat and host, drink and tell stories, laugh, watch the game, go on dates, marry and give in marriage, unmindful and unprepared. Such were the days of Noah. They did not realize that the great thing, the true thing, the most relevant thing dwelt above their experiences. A world exists everywhere, a place where ultimate reality lives, and even now his hand grips the doorknob and his return is very close.
As I, I sat in front of my computer this morning, I asked myself, what is, what is more real? Is, is this week and its to-do lists more real to me than the promise of Christ's return? Is, is my normalcy and my day-to-day trying to plan things out for all of these COVID rules and everything that exists, is that more normal to me and more real to me than the reality of Christ's return? It changes how we live. When he comes, all plans for the next week, they're going to die. Books will go unread. Weddings will be canceled. Dinner plans erased. In a moment, the unbelieving will hear the ark door shut. Life will cast off its common cloak as the wall behind it collapses. Jesus calls the world to prepare for him. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect, Matthew 24. To prepare is not to build a boat in your backyard, but to eat and drink and marry while looking and waiting for Christ's promised return. We live mindful of eternal souls and the brokenness that exists all around us. And we continue to echo the message of Noah for people to repent. We live expecting rain. We live in reverent fear of God. If I were to ask a question, and I hope it's not too imposing, but what does the world see you building? Is there anything in your life that can only be explained by Christ and his return? Or do those people in your life just see you getting up and fulfilling the mandates of your job so you can get a paycheck to build a house, to feed a family, to just simply live? What is it that the world sees you building? Do they know what it is that you're living for? Or has your day-to-day become so mundane and so usual that we just look like everybody else? Do not be deceived by the textures of the week and the years as they pass. In each, every single one of them, eternity is at stake. In each one, he approaches. Ultimate reality will not linger out of sight much longer. Forever happiness and forever 
horror lie just beyond the clouds. Are you ready for his return? Do those you love and those you rub shoulders with every day know that you, would, that you live anticipating the return of the king? Do you live with purpose? I guarantee you they see your labor and your toil. But do they see you labor and toil for eternality or for the eternal? Or do they simply see you labor and toil like most of them do to maintain the ordinary? There is nothing common about today or tomorrow if it should come. We live in the last days like Paul and the apostles. We live eagerly anticipating the return of the king. And so we live or should with purpose. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart ever be directed to the glory of our God and king. It is my prayer for you that we do not live just simply going through the motions. Father God, we come before you. We give you praise for all that you are. Lord God, I, I, I stand even here convicted because I know I, I, I'm not speaking to a group of individuals. I'm, you're speaking to me in my heart, and I, I affirm that. God, I just don't want to be passive anymore. I don't want to just live. I want to live, Lord God. I want to live for you, and I want to live for your son, and I want my life to be meaningful and purpose-filled. And the only way that that is possible is through you, because we know, as Solomon wrote, that without you, all things are meaningless and empty. So, Lord God, Please awake your church. Allow it to find passion again for the truths of who you are. Forgive us for forgetting your character. Allow us to say, I'm not going to live an ordinary day anymore. I'm going to do as you've called me to do. I'm going to live my life with purpose and no longer just go through the motions. But Lord, we need that from you. We need that from your Holy Spirit because we're weak and feeble and we can't do it on our own. So we pray for this in your son's name, the wonderful and holy name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Go and be blessed this week as you live with purpose.